You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good afternoon and welcome again to America's Web Radio. And we've got a great show lined up for you today with uh, our agent in charge. In charge, And uh, he's on the line with us, Mr. Sandy Bostick from Texas. And uh, Sandy, how are you doing today? Good. Hey, I am charged up. All right. Well, that's good. <laughs> I'm in charge and charged up, ready to go. Have we gotten any rain out there? <laughs> You know we have, and it's been a it's been a decent year. We just uh, started cutting hay uh, on, on my ranch yesterday, and uh, and we uh, had a little not an accident. One, a rock got picked up by one of the cutters, and it broke one of the doors out of one of our our new John Deere tractors. Oh, gee. And uh, but the good news is, uh, like I say, we we got plenty of tractors, and we're we're moving all the different equipment and fixing that today. And and uh, but we were in a holding pattern, knock on wood, that it's not going to rain. Uh, for about four, four to five days, and so that's what you need when you have hay on the ground. You don't want to get wet. You know, you can't bale wet hay because it'll ruin. Oh yeah, and, uh, and it certainly so, certainly yeah. starts stinking after a while. Oh yeah, so so with any luck, I say right now we're praying not for rain. You know, it's not rain, and so uh, but then once we get this uh, get this in, and then we're gonna start praying for rain again. So. Put on, uh, put on your rain uh, dance gear, and let's, uh, let's, let's do a rain dance in about a week from now. About a week. Well, I hope we get some out in West Texas at some point. I we're we're desperate or have been, and I don't think they've gotten any yet. And uh, somehow or the other, my cotton won't grow without uh, without uh, rain. I don't know what that problem is, but it just doesn't seem like it wants to grow that fast. So you know, interesting about about West Texas is that you know it's a desert. I mean, if you go out there, you see it's a desert. It's pretty amazing what they've done with areas of that desert, like they have in California and Israel as well. And when you go out there now, they actually have shrimp farms out in West Texas by uh, Port Stockton, and they have vineyards out there. And, and so whenever they can find water and drill, it's, it's, it's a great country. But it's uh, but like so if you're just going to go out there and just uh, be a dry land farmer, you're a braver person than me. because <laughs> That's, just, that's uh, what I am. And that's a hard way to make a living. Oh, it is. And the bankers only (laughs) understand so far. Anyway, let's get into Agent in Charge and uh, (laughs) the stories that you've got and the information that you've got for us. Uh, You've sort of uh, lined it up with a a specialty idea today on on what happens when the blue lights come on. Right, yeah. There's a lot of... uh, People, I think by now, if you listen to this program on a, a fairly regular basis, you realize that that I I'm very pro uh, safe country, safe streets, but I'm not in favor of a police state. I don't want uh, to see dictatorships. Where I've been in countries where the the uh, police are are uh, uh, they're far more brutal than anything we think of here. There, you don't have civil rights in these different countries, and most of them are. You know, they're, uh, they're dictatorship type countries or, uh, socialist slash communist countries where there's the, the rule of law is, is really just is in favor of the government. And so, but what I want to talk about, yeah, I'll get into some, uh, discussion on, on the legality and the numbers behind traffic stops, why things happen. And of course, you know, we ended up with, uh, telling you, uh, you know, the best way to, to react in a, in a, in when you're stopped by the police in a, in a, a traffic situation. And, uh, and what your rights are and what your rights are not, and uh, you know, at what level you have, you have to participate and what level you're not required to participate. 
and which is uh, one of the great things about our Constitution is that, you know, it lays it out pretty clearly as to what the government can and cannot do. And so, but first, but I think what, so before we get in that, I just, I had a, a request for this because, I, once again, we got sidetracked on our last show. We were talking about the, the Zetas and some different organizations and what happens when, uh, you know, the, uh, the police are defunded and are, they're not allowed to, or they're afraid to get involved and do something about these organizations that get out of control. We were talking about Los Zetas, which was a, uh, a offshoot, a, uh, of the cartels and, and, uh, in there, they were really prominent in the area where I worked in northern Mexico in the Coahuila area. And so, not to go into a lot of history about the Zetas, I mean, everybody pretty much knows that they've heard of them and uh, know their history. And, uh, but just to give you an idea of, of what they did, as you can see, this is just to emphasize what happens to these, uh, organizations when they're left unchecked by a, uh, a, uh, a strong, uh, law enforcement presence in, uh, 2008. I'm just going to go through a few of them here. Uh, 2008, uh, Morila, a little town there in, uh, in Mexico, there were some grenade attacks by the Zetas. They killed eight people and 100 were injured. 2010, San Fernando massacre, 72 migrants were found dead. These are the, the uh, suspicion there was, and these are all unresolved uh, uh, homicides. And the, uh, the suspicion was that these migrants, for whatever reason, did not pay. They were, you know, the Zetas also smuggled, uh, do human trafficking and, and smuggling. And, and they were suspected that they did not pay, uh, enough or were trying to slip around with, without paying, you know, the Zetas to cross. And, uh, so, uh, let's see. Also, there's a second San Fernando massacre in 2011 and on, uh, where 193 people were killed. 27 farmers in Guatemala discovered killed by the Zetas. Uh, Monterey, 2011, 52 people were killed by the Zetas. So, you know, it just goes on and on. And, uh, and so that's why I was trying to try to express, I mean, do we really want a country where, you know, without law enforcement, where the police are taken out of, out of, uh, out of, uh, our society in a, in a reasonable number? And you can see what happens. And so and we're seeing it now and that, that the police are, you know, they're, 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 they're more hesitant to respond now than they have been in the years going by. And, and uh, of course, with all the, uh, the different, you know, the riots and the Black Lives Matter movement and all the hostilities, I mean, it's uh, everything is starting to kind of find its way and, and we're starting to see the results of that. So anyway, any questions on the Zephyrs or comments, Dave, before we move on to traffic? No, I, I, I think what you brought up, though, is a very good point in that... Um we have to have police, not a police state, but we have to have police. And, uh, you know, I there's talk over here, and, and it's scary talk. But um, uh, there are a couple of organizations talking about uh, forming militias, which is illegal, uh, in my opinion. I don't know. Uh, you know, you can... Uh, the National Guard—it's the State Guard. It's not the National Guard, really. We call it the uh, Georgia National Guard, but it's actually a—it has to be. A, the governor has to call them out, and then uh, they can be federalized. But uh, you know, I don't really want to get into private militias or militias that are civilian-oriented and not not well trained that all that can do is cause problems but right, at indeed. the same token uh we have to have the police to stop 
the groups and the gangs and the thugs, and that's what Antifa is, is a, a gang full of thugs that are worthless. And, um, you know, we... It, it's, you know, that's why a Lady Justice has a mask on, you know, or has her eyes covered, and the scales of justice can't tip either way. they got to be balanced. Right, right. Yeah, and you're absolutely right about the militias, and, and the militias is just, you know, for the most part, they're the uh, the far-right uh, uh, equivalent of what Antifa is. You know, they're, they're a militia. You see what they've done. They've taken over downtown areas, and you see now is they're not... They're not peaceful protesters. They're running around with guns, and just like like the militias will. And so, like you said, you've got people that are running on adrenaline and emotion, and they're not thinking, and they're out there carrying uh, you know firearms, and it's, it's just not a uh, it's not a good situation. And so, uh, but you know, and and, and this is uh, first we we had similar uh, situations back when you in your in the good old days with the <laughs> 1960s, and and uh, so uh, and and you know we managed to work through with the country, and I certainly hope we will. Uh, at this point as well, and so, uh, but you know, so, but when we look at at this going into this idea of uh, our topic of, of traffic stops, okay, you know, it, it seems like every time you turn around, that's where these violent confrontations are coming from. They're setting these riots off, and uh, and you know, especially as you go back, you know, the, the big one, of course, was uh, Rodney King back in uh, when did we say that was back in about 1990, I believe it was, that set off the uh, the huge riots and. And all the issues, and so, so let's talk about you know uh, before we draw any conclusions, you know, like say let's let's talk about uh, police traffic stops when they stop you in your vehicle, your driver, and uh, and what they're doing, what's going on, and so so to begin with, uh, first of all, like I've always said, you know, the truth lies in the numbers, and you, know, you start trying to pull up statistics on. On, uh, on vehicle stops and, and uh, you know, different numbers associated with that. Of course, what you're finding mostly today is it's biased polling, as always. I was reading uh, a study by Stanford University, and, of course, you know, their finding was that uh, minorities are, are uh, racially discriminated and, and selected. And then you read a, uh, another one on the, the uh, I can't remember which uh, law enforcement organization it was. They, they say the complete opposite, you know. And so, like we say, in the middle somewhere, the truth probably does lie. And uh, but, like I say, I'm not going to draw conclusions on that because I haven't done research on that, and I'm not going to put information out there with that, uh, that's fake news if, if I can if I can help it at all. And unless I make a, a Joe Biden gaffe, and if I do, please correct me. <laughs> so, uh, of course, I try to stay out of, stay out of the Joe Biden uh, arena these days if I possibly can. So go ahead. I'm sorry. No, uh, of course I'd correct you. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that. Okay, so let's get into traffic stops. So uh, every year, okay, this is on the average, uh, police pull over about 50,000 drivers on a typical day in the United States. And so 50,000 drivers on, on a typical day, and that comes out in a, in a year, and this is just on the average, 20 million traffic stops per year in the United States. Okay, on a, on a five days out of the week, you know, Five week, whichever days most people work a five day week, work week. There's 143 million people on the road driving. So you do the number on that. I mean, you know, there, there's quite a few stops going on. And there's, you know, there's 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 reason for that. You know, like we talked about, we want to have a safe country, and and uh, and so we want to be able to, you know, get on the road and not fear for our lives, and, and as much as possible, even though they are uh, 
dangerous. So let me give you some traffic stats here too that I have I pulled up just to make sure that we have a good idea of, of why there are traffic stops and why we have traffic laws. And if you've ever been in countries, countries like our cities like Mexico City or, or Moscow in my case, and where they have these uh, huge populations with no, uh, practically no traffic enforcement, you can definitely understand why America is it's so much uh, safer to travel by a vehicle. And, uh, but, uh, how many people die worldwide in a car accident each year? Okay, each year roughly 1.3 million people die in car accidents worldwide. And that's an average of 3,287 deaths per day. Okay, and, and of that, young adults between the ages of 15 to 44 account for more than half of all road traffic deaths. Okay, so this is looking at the United States now. <clears throat> Let's see. How many people die in car accidents in the United States each year? Let's see. 40,327 people uh, killed in U.S. motor vehicle collisions last year. And uh, there were, of those uh, 40,327 people in the collisions, 34,439 uh, police reported fatal, fatal accidents. In other words, there were deaths that resulted from those accidents. So... You know that's uh you know that's a pretty pretty high number, and I think where our, our population is somewhere around a little over three hundred million. Is that right, Dave? Uh, about three thirty. Three thirty. Okay, a little low on that. So, all right. So now this is something that you're going to find interesting that I did not. <laughs> it could be argued. I don't know. I'd have to really do some look at look at this more closely at the numbers, but uh, I'm just going off the uh, oh, what's the uh, this is the U.S. I can't remember which department it was that put this out, but uh, those are so many different governments. So huge trying to figure out who reported what stats. Sometimes it, it, it's a uh, challenge to itself. But uh, teen drivers, okay, what age group has the highest rate of car accidents? Okay, and they're claiming the uh, risk of motor vehicle crashes is higher among 16 to 19 year olds than any other group at a rate in the see last year. Let's see. Teens accounted for 2,333 fatalities and 2,300, 2,300, I'm sorry, okay, I can't, I can't think, they, 233,845 injuries due to car accidents. Now, when you flip over here, <laughs> car accidents and elderly drivers, okay, last year, people 65 years older accounted for 6,165 fatalities and approximately 240,000 injuries due to motor vehicle collisions, making up 18% of all traffic facilities and 10% of all people injured in that year. So you can conclude from this, of course, you know, that, that the uh, that the uh, the highest risk drivers, of course, are young and older drivers. I mean, 65 years older, they actually have a higher percentage, whereas the, your teenage drivers are abounding for about 10% of your uh, traffic accidents. So so with those numbers, I mean, it, it, it's obvious that we have to have traffic laws. I mean, we have to have traffic laws, and they have to be enforced. So any any comments on the stats, Dave? No, I, I didn't find them. Um, I didn't hear anything that just blew me away. Uh, you know, we, we're a big country, and uh, a lot of yo-yos driving. A lot, of, a lot of moving parts out there. I mean, there's a lot of cars. I mean, that's what... You know, that's uh, one thing I always tell people. But the thing, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of the of the Glock uh, pistol. And uh, when they came out, I was a game warden. 
and uh, we got them in 1997, I believe it was. And uh, the thing about the Glock that makes it such a, a fantastic gun is they can manufacture them, number one, inexpensively, and number two, what really makes them a great gun is they have fewer moving parts than any gun out there. And so they're, you know, the fewer moving parts you have, the less the less probability you have for that, for that uh, machine to malfunction. And so it's the same thing with our population, of course. You look at it, I mean, the more people we have and the more business we have going, you know, those numbers are going to rise. And so, uh, anyway, it's just kind of a, an, a, an analogy there that you can, you know, kind of think about. I mean, this because, you know, when I was, I remember when I was in high school, I do believe that uh, our population was a little over 200 million people, and we've grown over 100 million people. And so just uh, just by the sheer numbers, you know, that, that it's, it, you know, uh, policing the streets is a bigger job now than it's ever been. And so, now like I said, now I don't really want to get into this thing racially and because I'm going to let everybody else draw their conclusions. This is not so much, this is not to point a finger at any particular group of people and it's not to uh, cause any issues, but I just want to you know, look at the, like I said, let's look at the numbers. And, uh, and so there are, let's see, according to the FBI's crime statistics, there's about 900,000 sworn law enforcement officers now serving the United States. We said last time that we were talking that uh, there's on average about 50 uh, peace officers killed every year. And this year we're already double. We were over 100 people, uh, peace officers who have been killed in the line of duty. And the highest number is in my home state here in Texas. And uh, as far as the highest percentage. So, so, and then so those who want to argue you know, about, okay, the, uh, whether there's a bias among police officers uh, uh, as far as who they stop. Let's see. Let's see. Let's just say, you know, this, this, look, this according to the same statistics over the past decade, according to FBI data, 40% of cop killers have been African-Americans. Okay, 40% of people who have, who have killed police officers. This is including... There are, you know, African-American and all, police officers of all races, not just white. We're talking about all all police officers who have been killed. They've killed 40% of cop killers. I mean, they, according to the FBI, 40% of cop killers have been African-American. Officers killed by African-Americans are at a rate of 2.5 times higher than the rate at which blacks are killed by police. And so, so you interpret that however you want to, but the thing is, it's because it's obvious that, that you know, police officers, you know, they're, the thing they want to do is they want to go home at the end of their shift to their family. And, uh, with, you know, they don't want to go, they don't want to be, they don't, there's no, they, the last thing they want 99% of the time is a violent encounter with anyone. They just want to be able to have a safe day, keep things going safe, and, uh, and, and, and keep, you know, life the way it's supposed to be and, uh, and, and not get caught up in a situation that's going to you know, end up in, in someone getting seriously injured or killed or a lawsuit, you know. So we said all that to say this. Well, before we go into that, so any any questions or any comments on, on our on the, uh, the, the police officer stats? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Lynn, how you doing? I'm fine. Are you still there? Yes, Hello? Ma'am. Great, thank you, ma'am. Thank I'm sorry, Dave. I'm, 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 I'm not hear what you're saying. You're breaking it up on me. Bye, bye.
And Sandy, did I miss something? Uh, so yeah, uh, sorry, I, I, you cut out on me there. So uh, did you? What, what, what part did you miss? <laughs> <laughs> well, I I had to take a call right quick. I'm sorry. Uh, I missed oh, about okay. about uh, one minute. But I tell you what, we could take a break if you want to, and uh, we'll come back with more of Sandy Bostic and Agent in Charge. Uh, just want to mention that. Um, you know, we are coming up on uh, on the uh, 4th of July weekend, and uh, when you hear this repeated, obviously uh, this show will be uh, downloaded and podcast, and uh, you may even hear it in August. Who knows? But uh, I want to wish everybody a happy 4th, and, and remind everybody that Fridays are Red Shirt Fridays, and this goes right along with what uh, Sandy's been talking about, and that's... Red shirt, wear a red shirt on Friday in honor of our first responders, anyone in the military, and our veterans. And just uh, if you see an officer, tell him hello and thank you. That goes a long, long ways. And if you get a chance to buy him a dinner, buy him a dinner. And I uh, want to remind, too, remind people, too, that um, we are very involved with our veterans and uh the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame, and also the Johns Creek Healing Wall, which is a 50% replica of uh, the Vietnam Veterans Wall in Washington, D.C. And uh, go out and support your veterans, support the military, and certainly respect and respond to and work with your first responders. They're there and protecting you. So let's get back to your listening to America's Web Radio and Agent in Charge. So let's go back to Sandy. Well, did you want to take a take a commercial break? You said. Oh, I just took one. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was a live. That's the first time I've heard a live commercial in, in years. <laughs> well, you, you get a lot of things different on America's Web Radio, uh, like the Doctors Lounge coming tomorrow. Find out what doctors are talking about in. The lounges, and I can tell you, I can give you a clue, is that they're talking about if we turn into a socialistic country, and that's where we're headed, or there are a lot of folks trying to get us there, uh, then you have a medical system, and that's why you've got Canadians coming to the U.S. for medical purposes. That's why the U.K. has all sorts of medical problems uh, with waiting up to six months for a CAT scan, like one of our, or an MRI, like one of our doctors that's in here, Scott uh, Barber, that's an um, uh, orthopedic surgeon. He has this. This is incredible. He has more MRI machines than most. Well, in fact, than Canada does in all of their uh, whatever they call their states. Um, that's amazing. That is amazing. It is. And uh, he has yeah. five different clinics, and they all have their own MRIs and, and or two of them. And, uh, you know, it's just uh, socialized medicine, socialized anything. Socialism is one step from communism, folks. And that's where the government rules you. You don't rule the government. And uh, yeah, we don't you, want that. When you... When you when you take the uh, the profit initiative out of anything, I mean, you just get an inferior product. I mean, that's just I don't know how many 
how many uh, years we have to go past and how many different governments have to check, try socialism and communism, but it, it's just you know, the reason people try to steal our uh, technology on the, on a daily basis is because we have the best because it's driven by uh, the, uh, the, the, the desire to produce the best mousetrap. Because uh, you know that you know it's, we we're a success-driven economy, as opposed to a everybody gets their fair share, regardless of what they do or don't do. And so, but anyway, so okay, so I don't know. Like I said we have, I'm not sure how much you got of that last comment, but I'll just go one one last time here before we go on to talking about okay the actual uh, mechanics and rights and and the rules behind a traffic police traffic stop. And finally, police officers of all races are also disproportionately endangered by, by African-American assailants. Whether you want to believe it or not, the numbers are there. This is based off FBI data. Uh, 40% of cop killers have been African-Americans. So 40% of the police officers who are killed on an annual basis is usually 40% by African-Americans. And, uh, and then officers are killed by African-Americans at a rate 2.5 times higher than the rate at which African-Americans are killed by police. You're not going to see this on the regular on the regular uh, uh, fake news because they don't like this to be out there. But it's the reality. Like I'm not talking about this. I'm not a politician. I'm not running for office. I'm going to tell you the way things are. And so, with that said, whether you like what I say or not, I mean, let's talk about how we can prevent this because that's the bottom line. When you look at the numbers, look at the statistics, and you look at the way things are going. Then you have to draw a conclusion. How can we change this? Because I do want to see this change. I don't want to see you know, people being uh, uh, injured during traffic and stops, whether you're a law enforcement officer, regardless whether you're whatever your race, uh, you know, religion, sexual orientation is, it's, you know, I want to see everybody protected under under the uh, rule of law in this country and, and see everybody live to have a prosperous and, and healthy life. And so let's go into now what a traffic stop is. And, and I'm sure everybody has been, uh, one time or another, if you drive a car, any type of a vehicle or a motorcycle, just the police have probably pulled you over. And uh, I get pulled over. I haven't been stopped by a police officer. Oh, I guess last time I got stopped was my grandson. I guess it was about two years ago. And he, uh, I was going 50, 60 and a 55. And, and he actually was. I uh, got pulled over. And he actually managed to, uh, he was 14 at the time and, and uh, 13 at the time. And actually talked to the police officer out of giving me a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so that was good to happen with me. But anyway, so uh, so any any comments or questions before we get into the mechanics of a traffic stop? And, and now he's an attorney. Uh not quite. He's only fifteen. He'll he'll be uh, he'll be. I'm sorry, he's fourteen. He'll be fifteen here in a couple of months. But I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Dom. I've got your your birthdays all messed up. He was probably thirteen at the time of that stop. He's fourteen now. I guess it wasn't quite a full two years ago. <laughs> so he probably would make a good attorney though. So. Anyway, his education never ends with me. So, but uh, so let's talk about a vehicle. So, a vehicle stop. You look in your rearview mirror, and this. And don't let me forget that when we get to the end of this, let's also, if we have time, let's talk about unmarked cars. Okay, because so it's important. There's a lot of unmarked police cars out there, and and, and this is something that you need to be leery of. And if, and if if there is an issue where you live, you need to take this up with your uh, local police department or your state police, whoever it is that does the majority of your traffic. Uh, traffic uh, policing there, but anyway, so police officer when they see you, though the, uh, the the common perception is that they can't pull you over unless they have probable cause that that you just uh, you uh, 
violated a traffic law. That's not true. And most states, and uh, in the majority of the states, I'm pretty sure all you know 50 is that they need reasonable suspicion to pull you over. Okay, so what does reasonable suspicion mean? So you know, there, there's two types. There's a reasonable suspicion stop where you're you have the police officer. We call it articulation. In other words, he's going to have to be able to describe if this thing, if this if this stop ends up turned into an actual crime, and uh, and it goes before a judge. He's going to have to explain to that judge, okay, why, if you don't just plead out and take it, you know, and pay the ticket, he's going to have to explain, okay, why I pulled this person over. And uh, he's going to have to have a suspicion that this is, take, for example, a DUI, okay? Uh, he's uh, in Texas, we call it DWI, driving while intoxicated. And so, one of the most common things a person who's intoxicated or having trouble operating a vehicle, uh, Encounters when they're under the influence of either of uh, alcohol or, or or drugs, is that they can't stay between the lines. I mean, they can't they can't stay in their lane. And so, the police officer, one, it, it is a violation for you to cross over. But say you don't go out of your lane, say but but you're moving erratically and your your speed is changing and and you're having a hard time maintaining control of the vehicle, then he has reasonable suspicion and to pull you over. Okay, so he pulls you over, and so. What he's going to do next, you know, the, the reasonable suspicion uh, traffic stop should be short in nature. In other words, if, if there's not really a violation there, he just needs to do his investigation and send you down the road. And uh, so there's, but the thing is, what he he's going to be looking for is for the probable cause that you are either, say, for example, you've been driving under influence, that that you are inebriated. So he's looking for the evidence there of, of, of the possibility of you being intoxicated. And so now in the event of a speeding ticket, okay, now like I said this is that's the probable cause stop where he actually, you know, if he if he's he or she is, is patrolling in a uh, in a vehicle that has a certified and, and calibrated uh, uh, radar gun, and uh, if he sees you going, if he can going 80 and a 70, well, obviously that's a probable cause that, that you have broken the law. That's a probable cause stop. So any any questions on, on reasonable suspicion versus probable cause, Dave? No, sir. Okay. So, yeah, so it is legal for him to stop you if he believes has reasonable suspicion. In other words, he, it can't just be mere suspicion. Uh, in other words, this is, gets to the, you know, to the issue of race, uh, where if, if he, you know, you know one of the... Uh, when, when I was uh, back in uh, my younger days, when I was working a lot with our troopers on the highway, and and, uh, and we were, uh, you know, we, for the most part, we're looking for doing counter narcotics uh, uh, investigations on the road. You know, back then the common trend was Hispanic males between the ages of about 18 to 35 uh, driving down the road in a rented vehicle. Okay, that's not reasonable suspicion because there's lots of Hispanic males, you know, driving down the road in, in rented vehicles, uh, going, you know, either to or from the direction towards Mexico. I mean, that's just, that's just a, that's a trend that we saw quite a bit. Now, they say the drug smugglers changed it up once they realized that we were doing what they were doing. Then they started using families and mixing it up and they stopped using rented vehicles as much. And, and so, but that, that is not, that is not reasonable suspicion to pull someone over. So they, they're going to have to follow a vehicle like that and actually come up with a, a better reason, reasonable suspicion, to pull that person over before they can legally pull them over. And so, so anyway, so you get pulled over. Let's say, uh, let's say you are uh, clocked going 80 and a 70, which a lot of us still do that. 
the police, you know, in order to search your vehicle, so most of the time, so if they pull you over and they come up there, first thing they're going to do, and you are required in Texas, in all, all, almost all their states too, is to present your driver's license and a proof of your insurance. Now, in Texas, our registration is actually on the uh, windshield of our vehicle, and they run that, your license plate, to see if your vehicle who's registered to, and they're going to see, you know, if your registration is up to date. And then, and so we don't have a registration paper that we hand to police officers. It's it's applied by the fact that you have a uh, a uh, current registration sticker on your windshield. But most states, a lot of states, require you still to have a, a paper registration of your vehicle. So now, before the police officer can search your vehicle, okay, so if he if he if he's Clocks you going 10 miles over speed limit and uh, sees nothing else there that's going to indicate that there may be another crime going on, such as drug smuggling or kidnapping or, or, you know, for example, being under the influence. He now, if he sees something and has and his suspicion level raises above reasonable suspicion, he's going to have to prove probable cause, okay, before he can search your vehicle. He has to prove probable cause. So, in most cases, for an officer to be able to perform a search on private property, okay, to just be in your vehicle as well, he's going to have to get a lawful search warrant. So that, and that, when you talk about a lawful search warrant, that police officer is going to have to detain you long enough to go write an affidavit. He's going to have to go to the judge who reviews it, and the judge is going to determine on there whether there's probable cause or not as to what the, uh, the officer presents. And then he either will or will not issue a warrant based on his findings, and so if he does issue uh, a, a warrant, then, of course, this will be a signed warrant, and then you are required to submit your vehicle once the police officer returns with a signed warrant to, for him to search your vehicle. Now, that said, if, if police officers, if you're out there listening to this, I mean, guys, listen, this is, this is just common sense, especially if you're on an narcotics task force, get a search warrant. I mean, I've seen so many cases get thrown out where they actually found uh, drug money they found Narcotics, where the police officers got in a hurry, even though they had probable cause, you know, they went ahead and searched the vehicle without a warrant, and, and there was something went wrong, and that there wasn't proper consent or whatever given, and the case gets thrown out. And so the drugs and the money still get seized, but the person gets to walk. So take the time, and, 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 and you know, and not just for yourself, but do it, you know, for the, for the country, play by the rules, you know. Now, you are allowed to, uh, uh, if you see something, as a police officer, if you see something going on in that vehicle that leads you to believe that uh, there is a crime going on, for example, this is a real blatant you know, uh, scenario. You see a guy in the back seat and he's shooting up heroin in his arm. <laughs> You're pretty sure there's something going on there. That's probable cause. And you can get in there and, and, and stop that. Or say you have a, an abduction or you have a person that you think maybe they're being uh, uh, held in the, the trunk of the vehicle and that their life is in danger, well, yes, but then, you know, the, they're, they're the, due to exigent circumstances, then you are allowed to go ahead and search that vehicle. And so, but like I say, once again, the police officer has to articulate this. He's going to have to explain to that judge. And that's why I'm telling, you know, police officers, you know, when in doubt, get a warrant because the thing is, that judge is going to tell you, let you know, save you a lot of heartache, a lot of problems, if you'll just go ahead and, and get that, you know, reviewed and be legal before you even go into the search. So any any question on that, Dave? No, I, that's pretty clear, as a matter of fact. Uh, now, now, the, now the, the people ask me, 
Okay, then I, okay, how, okay, so why, how do police officers, you know, you'll see them on the side of the road searching these vehicles, especially if you're on a major interstate, you'll see, you know, they'll be going through a vehicle looking for things and, you know, they'll have the trunk open and the guy out there or gal or people out there, handcuffs the bar dish and, and you think, how'd they get a search warrant there that fast? Well, what they're doing and they're required to, you can ask for consent to search a vehicle. And, and then once again, police officers listen to me, people out there listen to, uh, if you're being stopped, you can give that. If, if you know you're not doing anything illegal, please, if you, if you just want to get on down the road and, and, uh, and don't want any more problems and you know there's nothing wrong with your vehicle, you're not doing anything illegal, then you can give the police officer consent to search your vehicle. And it's going to take less time, of course. And, but here's the thing, and police officers and, and, uh, especially remember this, I mean, Get written consent, okay? Don't take a verbal, even, even though everything is pretty much videotaped nowadays, don't t- take a verbal consent. Get it in writing. Get it signed off. And we used to carry a consent via, uh, form that our attorneys had, had written up for us, and, uh, and we would sign it, and we recovered it. But, and, you, know, you, know, and, you know, vehicle operators and owners remember this, too. Now, just because you give that police officer consent doesn't mean that you've opened up Pandora's box and you can't close it. And once that search starts going on, you can stop that search at any point. You can tell that police officer or police officer, hey, I'm withdrawing my consent right now. And and everything they find after that point is, unless they can articulate where they kept searching, what, what the circumstances were, you can stop that search warrant. You can stop that consent search right then and there, and they'll have to go get a warrant to continue that search. So any questions on that? Yeah, I'm just curious. With our uh, high tech these days, can... Um and I know that uh, cops are even, in some cases, even carrying printers in their cars with them. Uh, can they uh, go online and request from a judge a, a warrant and have it uh, sent to them? Yeah, and then, you know, we're going to get into that here in just a little bit, but you know, we'll just go ahead. It's a good point you brought up because, yes, uh, today, I mean, uh, police officers do have. They have, uh, just like you said, they have computers in their cars and they have uh, satellite uh, hookups and they have printers. And most states still, uh, they call it a telephonic warrant. Okay, you're out, so you say so you're out, like, you know, for example, when I was in Colorado, there were some pretty remote areas there on Interstate 70. And it, and it would, a lot of times it would be dangerous because of the weather. You don't want people, you don't want to have somebody out there in severe cold weather or where it's real icy. So to get things moving, I mean, you can do, and we've done this on drugs as well, a telephonic warrant. In other words, you're in a circumstance where you can't get to the judge for whatever reason, and uh, you can call the judge and explain your situation to the judge, and uh, they're going to ask you a question. It's a sworn statement. You, know, you, you raise your hand and you swear it, and you tell the truth. Tell the judge is truth enough the truth, you know, and all that stuff. And so, uh, but anyway, so the judge will give you, if the judge concurs with your findings, he will give you a verbal warrant, a verbal telephonic warrant to go in there and uh, go ahead and conduct the search. He gives you permission. He, with what you told him, he agrees or he'll disagree and you can't go forward. But, uh, but then what's the next, as soon as, as soon as it's possible, usually the next day, then you need to take in a written affidavit as a police officer to that judge, and, uh, and he's going to review everything on that and uh, sign it so there's an actual record of the uh, the search warrant. So does that answer your questions? Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, because, yeah, cause I say, yeah, there are times where when they, they have to run that, and, of course, you know, what the police officer is doing when he goes back to his car, 
he's checking your insurance. He's running your license plates to see if there's, uh, you know, what the history of your vehicle is. There, you know, they have so much more information now than they had back when I was making traffic stops. And, uh, and everything that we had back then, we had to call into a dispatch. And if you get them on the radio and, and the communications were clear, I mean, it was, uh, you'd get your information that way. But even still, I mean, there's just so much more available to law enforcement now. I mean, they know, and most of the time, they, they're pretty sure they're going to pull you over. If you, if you watch a, a police officer follow you for a while before he pulls you over, what he's doing is he's, he's probably calling in your license plate, and they're going to send that information back to his computer, and he's definitely going to have a printout before he ever pulls you over, so he'll know, you know who the owner is, what the history of that vehicle is, uh, where it's from. So he knows a lot more going in, and if there's a, it's, it's, mostly, it's, it's mostly for officer safety. If they want to see if the person who owns that vehicle is, is either wanted, if there's a warrant out for them, or if there's uh, any type of danger related to that traffic stop, the traffic stop that you're about to commit, that you're about to, to uh, execute. So, any yep. any comments on that? Yeah, you know, I, I I'm not sure people appreciate. Um, I wouldn't go in, and particularly at night when you can't see in the car well and the lights aren't on or they have their dark tinted windows, you know, a cop needs all the information they can get. And some of these things of, you know, where there has been an incident happen, you know, it's one of these things. Put your put yourself in the cop's shoes. What what would you do? And uh, Right. That's why we we push all the time on many many shows. Go ride with a cop, you know, and uh, whether it's uh, at night or during the day, most most cities welcome civilians to ride with a cop, and uh, go find out what it's like to pull somebody over that you don't know. You don't know who or what you're about to stop or encounter when you walk up behind that uh, back fender and go towards their right. door. And if you are stopped, be sure that you got both hands in clear sight, you know? Right. So the cop will be relieved that uh, this person is trying to cooperate and is cooperating. And uh, by having both hands on the steering wheel or both hands sticking out the window and you know, uh, it's a tough job, and I, I don't think we have... There There are three jobs that I think are underpaid. One is police officers, two are firemen, and three are good, qualified teachers. So right. take it from there. Yeah, it's, it's a dangerous job, and all three of those jobs are dangerous. Even <laughs> the teachers are dangerous. <laughs> so anyway, so... so I'm, I don't run out of time. Let me let me kind of pick it up a little bit here. But that's the most important part. The traffic stop is to understand why you're being stopped and, and how they arrive at, at their conclusion and what your rights are at that point. So now let's get into the uh, after you're stopped and, and everything's happening here. And uh, you do have the right to remain silent, but to a point, okay? So uh, when they first pull you over, you know, a police officer is going to ask you for your driver's license, proof of insurance, and, you know, of course, you know, we talk about the vehicle registration thing. And uh, and you are required by law to provide those to them. And beyond that, though, you are not required to answer any investigative questions. You know, you don't have to. You mean, you don't. So, in order, where, where are you going? You don't have to answer that. You know, uh, the only thing you have to tell me is your name. And they ask you where you're from, and you can add, you have to ask them, but that's going to be on your information. Anyway, he's going to verify if your information is still correct on your driver's license. 
and that's really all you're uh, required to, to say. Now, the thing is, like in a track, like in a speed ticket, most time a police officer is going to ask you, you know, uh, a conscientious uh, police officer is going to ask you, is there a reason you're speeding? And uh, then, it, and my advice has always been, don't lie to the police. Because they're going to figure it out. Don't lie to the police. You know, they they, they they probably know the answer before you even give them the answer. And, and uh, so just tell them the truth. If you were just not, you know, if you're you know running late to your wife is having her baby or your your dad is on, is you know, getting ready to have the last rights read to him at the hospital, then they're pretty understanding about that. But, uh, but just so you'll know, I mean, you don't have to give them any information. And except for the, those three things, the driver's license, proof of insurance, and vehicle registration. Now, like you've already said, you know, you are required to show your handgun license if you, if you carry a handgun. Now, most states, you know, you're uh, in Texas, uh, you're allowed to have a handgun in your vehicle and uh, or rifle or whatever it is you have. But if you actually have it on your person, if you're carrying it, you have to have a uh, – there's one of several uh, different types of uh, license we have here. One is a concealed carry that everybody in my family has, except for me. And I, I have what it is called the uh, it's a Leosa, uh, it's retired federal agent uh, uh, certification we have that we qualify every two years with the local sheriff's department, and they uh, give us a license to carry. And so and it, it's it, it's it's basically it's, it's easier for us as as, as former agents to uh, former law enforcement to uh, go through their system. And uh, and it also keeps us in contact with local law enforcement, you know. So, so anyway, that's kind of a no-brainer. So if you if you have a concealed gun, I mean, don't get out of the car uh, without letting the police officer know first, because then you're just inviting uh, a, a potentially dangerous situation. Let them know, hey, I've, I've got, I'm carrying a firearm. Here's my uh, license. And or even if you don't have a license, you're better off just telling them up front and say, hey, I do have a gun on me here. I just want to set it over here. And uh, like I said, you're trying to defuse the situation just like the police officer is. Okay, now this is something. Now, like I said, this is where we get into what's going on nowadays that's causing all the problems. Okay, police cannot arrest you for arguing with them. Okay, in other words, but you're not going to make anything better by arguing with them. There's, no, there's nothing that says you can't give your opinion of what's going on. And we all get angry during traffic stop if we feel like that it's been unfair. But the thing is, I mean, they can't arrest you for arguing, but if they start thinking that you have raised the, the level up where you're about to assault them or disorder, becomes disorderly conduct and they become a danger to tra- passing traffic, they can arrest you. And so you don't want it to go above that point. You can always you know, should always ask them, okay, why are you stopping me? And they, they should be telling you when they stop you to begin with, this is why I'm stopping you. And uh, but if they don't, then you are totally within your right to ask them why. But like I say, the thing is, if, you're, if you feel like you were pulled over uh, illegally, uh, if it wasn't fair, whatever your reason is, don't get in a fight with the cops. You can't beat the cops. You know, our, our old buddy Jay Roy Richie always told me that. <laughs> he said if you arrest this time, and he said he said he said he said there's no way you're going to ever win against the cops. He said there's too many of them. He said uh, they have all the equipment, and he said you, you may get past a couple of them, but there's going to be more coming after you. So your best bet is don't get in a fight with the cops. If they did if they did violate your civil rights, get a lawyer. Go after them, sue them, do it legal, but don't get into a violent confrontation with the cops. Okay. You must exit the car if asked by a police officer. Okay, you do have to get out of the car if they tell you to, and they but they prefer for you to stay in your vehicle in most cases with your hands, like you said earlier, Dave, on, on your steering wheel. And, you know, after you told them if you have, a, you know, if you're carrying a firearm in the car, you need to let them know that up front. 
And uh, so, but you, if, if they do ask you to step outside, you do have to step outside. Now, you're not required. This gets into uh, the next point of this is that, you know, most people, if you're in debris, a police officer, a trained police officer, they'll be able to see it from the moment you get out of the vehicle. But you're not required by law in any state that I know of, especially in Texas, to submit to a breath analyzer uh, test and uh, or a or a, uh, a blood test. You know, does those uh, you're not required to participate. Now, you're in most cases, you're probably better off participating. But here's the thing: you're going to lose your license anyway. I mean, I know they. The, 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 in Texas, if you don't take a breath, breathalyzer test or if you don't submit to a, uh, a, a blood draw, then uh, you automatically lose your driver's license. But in most cases, you're gonna, it's going to be suspended anyway until your case is, is, uh, is uh, adjudicated. And in most cases, you know, if you need your vehicle to work and there's no way to get to work, the judge is going to take that into consideration. He's going to give you a temporary permit to let you drive between specific hours of the day to certain locations and, and back. And if you're outside of that, of course, you get in trouble. And so any comments on the, the breathalyzer test? Now, before before you ask what, let me just add this, though. Okay, so especially in the case of a, uh, of a, a blood draw, if you don't submit to that, they're going to get a warrant. They have to have a warrant to search you to go into your body and take blood out, but that they don't think that that's going to drive you any time because they can do that real fast now. Like we talk about the computers in the car, they get that thing, you know, back to they. They have judges on standby, ready to go. They can call that thing in. They can get it signed, sit back by the judge, and they can have you most time in the doctor's office, uh, under contract uh, doctor's office, in 15 to 20 minutes. And it's not enough time for you to to uh, to uh, detoxify. So any, any questions on that, Dave? No, not really. I The best bet is don't give them probable cause. Yeah, just you know, behave. Well, they say Spanish, what could they be in? Behave yourself. Yes. And, uh, what if you can? So, yeah. So, all right. So now, so, and then. And, uh, you know, that, that, that brings up the thing, too, this, uh, you know, and I'm listen. You know me well enough to know that you ain't talking to an angel uh, just because of uh, common friendships. But at the same token, uh, age has matured my mind a bit. And uh, you know, this weekend coming up, uh, and and police from coast to coast are going to be on the lookout for people leaving bars, people leaving. You know, driving at weird hours of the night or mornings, and you know, just you. The, the the bottom line of all of this is use your head. And as my uh, dad, if, if, as my dad used to say, use your head and not for a hat rack. <laughs> well, and if you know, and, and uh, if, if, if 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 common sense doesn't get you, maybe financially you don't understand. The average cost of a DWI, DUI today, is approximately, you know, this is nationwide, is $25,000. It's going to cost you $25,000, guilty or, or innocent, to get out. By the time you get through with all, everything that, uh, or I won't say innocent, I'll say acquitted. They would stop if they didn't have reason in most cases. And, uh, but, uh, so, you know, the best thing, I mean, you can, you can buy a lot of vehicles for $25,000 or sure put a good down payment on one. And, uh, and not lose the one that you're currently in if you'll just, you know, take that Uber ride or get a taxi or have a designated driver. 
and uh, it just it just makes sense, you know, have that have that worked out beforehand. So the last thing, and this is the question that comes up a lot too, and that is you do have the right to record the incident when you're being stopped. There's nothing there's nothing written that says that you can't record it on your on your cell phone, whatever you have, even without the officer's permission. But the thing is, it's, it's a typical deal. You're going to escalate the situation if all of a sudden he turns around and, and every time he asks you a question, you're sticking your phone in his face. The best thing to do is just say, you know, say for my safety and for yours, if it's okay, you know, I would I wouldn't have to ask permission, but to say just for your safety, my safety, I want to record this, and uh, this is going to be right here. And they don't have the right. The police officers cannot make you stop. And so, so you do have the right, but like I say, and then and uh, and if you do feel like this is a uh, unfair stop and, and the situation is bad, you have every right in the world to do that. And uh, and so, uh, but you know, but if it's just like a speeding ticket or something like that. And you know there's nothing else that's going to go. There's there's not much of a chance of it going in uh, any other direction. Your best bet is just go ahead and, and uh, you know, take the ticket if you get one. If you feel like it wasn't fair, if it, if it was a violation of your civil liberties, get an attorney and go to court. I mean, that's what the whole system is set up for. And uh, so so the last thing, and I said, well, we'll do a little more just uh, just general discussion. That, that uh, now this is something that I don't really uh, with, but I know why police officers do it. They use unmarked vehicles a lot. I see them a lot around here, and and larger number than we ever had them. And uh, and obviously, I mean, if people see a marked police officer, they're going to slow down. They're going to start breaking law. They don't want you to stop. And so, there's a lot of unmarked vehicles out there that are, that are doing traffic enforcement. But here's the thing about an unmarked vehicle: you really, if there's not markings on it, and and or if there's markings that don't look right, you know, you have every right. You don't have to pull over right then and there. If you feel like you may be in danger, especially with an unmarked vehicle, there's no telling who that is that that person is in that unmarked vehicle. It may or may not be a police officer. It's 50-50. And so uh, you don't want to be wrong. And so what you want to definitely do, and my my family here, I've, I've instructed them this too, especially my wife, you know, when she's traveling by herself, is uh, signal for the police officer or the, the assumed police officer to follow you to a, to a place where there's a, 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 where there are people or till or to a, uh, the nearest police station, just signal for him to follow you. Don't speed, don't run, just have him follow you, or wait until a second police officer shows up in a marked, in a marked vehicle. So I like, think that it's a dangerous world. And you know there's lots of nuts out there. There's a lot of people that are dangerous people that are out there that will do all types of things. And so uh, I don't have a number on incidents that, that have been perpetrated like that, but it's the same thing. It's just common sense. And, I, and that's why I discourage uh, you know police departments uh, unless you're doing surveillance and covert operations, don't use uh, unmarked vehicles. You know, and then, like for example, when we would do, uh, we did a lot of narcotic stops when I was out in Southwest Texas and on the border. And uh, even though we had probable cause, most times, almost 100 percent time, that we saw the actual narcotics being loaded into the vehicle. We had it under surveillance, and, and we do it in the trunk or wherever. And we would have a uniform use of state trooper. We'd have two uniform straight troopers perform a traffic stop on that vehicle because we didn't want there to be any any chance of them not realizing this was the real police who's stopping them. Because, you know, especially on the border, there was always a chance of, of uh, other gangs coming and doing what they call a rip. And so it's just use common sense, you know, in the event of an unmarked vehicle trying to stop you. So have I, has my dime run out? Not quite. 
So anyway, so yeah, so any questions or, or comments or anything like that, Dave? I mean, did, did we miss anything that would help people this uh, this sports job weekend to have a little bit safer time? And, and like I say, the, the, the main thing I can tell, the, the, the thing I can this is for everybody. I'm not, I'm not selecting any any uh, ethnic, religious, uh, sexual orientation group out there. Don't fight with the police. Don't fight with the police. Don't get into a physical confrontation because, you know, Nothing good comes from that, and uh, and it's just and then once once the uh, once the uh, the emotions get out there and the adrenaline gets flowing, that's when bad things happen. And you know, so you uh, just, uh, Sandy. Let me ask you, and and I particularly worry about uh, uh, some folks, but say uh, you know, like you said, there <laughs> there are plenty of nuts out there, and. How far can you, you know, or I guess just if you stick your left hand out the window and say, you know, uh, you know wave to them that you're, you know, come on or whatever, and then go if you're on a uh, on a highway or wherever you are, go to a service station or something like that and pull in. Uh, will the cops give you uh, the leeway to do that, so to speak? Or I guess you could pick up your cell or not. No, I guess you can't. Not in Georgia anyway. But um, right, yeah. Uh, you know, just will they give you the? Because, like you said, you know, uh, uh, and women that that do drive alone um, are very vulnerable. And you know, just like you said, uh, in an unmarked car, how do you know? And there are enough nuts out right. there that will they'll even chance using blue lights and hope they don't get right. caught. That, that, that's why I say signal for the police. Uh, for the other fall, you don't speed. You know, don't uh, don't try to get don't 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 give them any chance or opportunity to believe that you're trying to evade escape. Just signal for them to follow you, and uh, or you know, most times, you know, you, you're, you're probably gonna make that police officer mad. But you know, your safety is more important than, than that police officer's you know level of, of anxiety. I mean, because like I say, it's an unknown. That's why I, I, I suggest police departments. Especially when doing traffic uh, enforcement, don't use unmarked cars because the whole idea is not to catch people doing something wrong. The whole idea is to is to prevent them, keep them under control, so that they no one that they don't get to that point anyway. Just like you know, the whole idea they say, well, why do you why do you interdict drugs on the border? You can't catch them all. Well, the whole thing is that we're trying to you know we you're really doing better off you're really better off as a country keeping the drugs out of the country through fear of getting caught than you are by catching them once they get inside the country. Oh. And so it's the same thing. I mean, you want, by the presence of the police, you should have control, and that's what I prefer to see police departments do. It shouldn't be... Okay, Sandy, it, it is time to put the plug in the jug, <laughs> and we're going to have to get out of here. But uh, thank you, and we look forward to uh, agent in charge again next week, and you all have a, a good and safe careful driving weekend and uh stay tuned for more shows from america's web radio thanks sandy take care dave uh, thank see you bye-bye you're listening to america's web radio on the americas broadcast thank you for listening